Welcome to No Truth Culture, where you know truth or you have no truth. I'm your host, Mr. Misunderstood, and I'll be having the distinct privilege and honor of helping you rip the Band-Aid off when it comes to all things truth in culture today. As always, to stay up to date with all things No Truth Culture, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or the episode description. To help support us here financially, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or episode description. And once on the website, click on support. Well, without further ado, buckle up and get ready because it's time to rip the band-aid off so the truth can set you free. And welcome back to the program. On this program, we're going to be going into talking about turning periods into commas, uh, the Bible trivia for the week. And the question for the week will be, what is a strategy Satan uses to defeat humans in creative ways? What is a strategy Satan uses to defeat humans in creative ways? We're going to answer that question but you won't know when the answer comes. So you'll have to stay tuned to find out when in the program that answer will be revealed. We'll also talk about young people need to do what? What does praise and worship mean to you? Hmm, a wonderful topic on spiritual warfare. Ooh, that's a good one. Discipleship. Hmm, what does that look like? Dependence must be on what? We'll find that one out. Have to stay tuned. What must you take back? Hmm, that's a doozy. And we'll finish off the program with, as always, with the send-off, the feel-good story of the week. Oh, we're going to dive right into the program here. But first, the first topic of the day is the overall theme of the program, which is on thoughts. And so I want to dive into this. We're going to, in different ways, dive into thoughts and actions and where your thoughts should be. What are they on? The overall theme in all these different topics just always hopefully will relate back to, in your mind, thoughts. And so I want to start off with a quick uh, story about how the devil can come at you and attack your thoughts. And so I was in high school myself, obviously. Um, some years ago, and there was this. Uh, I was a, I was working with the football team, doing some things, blah blah blah. And at one time, I was trying out to be a wide receiver or something. And these two, I mean, they were burly, burly dudes. They were some biggins, and for some reason, they had it out for me in practices and stuff. And so, like, they tried to knock the linebacker tar out of me. And so I was like, mm, this isn't for me. So it made me just kind of step back and really contemplate and think about, is the, do I really see a career path in football, blah, blah, blah. The answer was no. So I kind of backed out of it. And long story short, some years later, my senior year, I ended up having English class with these two, with these two guys. And so I asked him about what happened in like sophomore year. And I said, you guys were really coming at me. I'm just trying to figure out some years later what what that was all about. And he says, well, some people told us that you hate Mexicans. And I'm like, what? He says, some people told us that you don't like Mexicans. And so I was like, why why didn't you just come and ask me? I could have easily told you that that's completely and utterly false. And so basically what I got out of that is these guys told these two dudes this about what I believe or who I am in th- in that guy's mind, girl's mind, whoever it was. And so the devil attacked their minds, these two guys' minds, in so much so that they wanted to pretty much lay the wood to me and like knock me out cold and beat me up or whatever in the football field over something that was completely not true. And if they would have just come and asked me directly, they could have had it really cleared up in 2.2 seconds flat. 
So the bottom line here is that the devil really likes to what attack you and he likes to get after you. And um, there's a real battle going on when he can uh, get wrapped up into what you're thinking about. And all it takes is no devil. I hear that. I rebuke it. I'm going to get to the truth. I'm going to find out if what if what you're telling me is actually true by going to that person directly. And so it's just crazy how awful people can be based on what they believe to be true when if they go to that person or that thing directly they could soon find out that what they actually believe couldn't be further from the truth and they could get to the truth if they but stop and ask the actual person rather than letting these whole these thoughts and this this movie play in their mind of what they think is true or you know they don't really like me or whatever the case may be you know i heard a it's the same with uh you know people ghosting you you have somebody ghost you on social media or not text you back and you have the devil playing thoughts in your mind about oh why aren't they texting me why aren't they calling me oh they don't like me anymore and then you just go through this whole song and dance and you can end up destroying your life and getting back on the bottle and getting back to addicted to drugs and pulling yourself out of church. And I mean, this is, this stuff's happened and it's destroyed many lives. And it's all because of the devil playing this movie in minds of they don't really like you, this, that, and the other. And all you have to do is say, no devil, you're a liar. I rebuke you. And I'm I'm not going to believe that. And I'm going to go to that person directly and get this clarification. And nine times out of 10, they'll probably tell you that what you believe is not true. So, you know, go to the person, figure it out. Don't let these movies play in your mind and allow the devil to have any kind of credence over it. So it's just pretty crazy when you really think about it. So we're just going to keep moving right along here into our next topic about turning periods into commas. First, I want to say that when the Lord talks to you, Take good notes. It couldn't be more powerful than that. If it's written in the Bible, miracles, promises, etc., understand that if he did it before, that he can do it again. If he did it before, he can do it again. And it's pretty powerful when he does it again. So don't just read the Bible like all it contains is just stories because God did what's in the Bible in the past and he can do it again. It's it's just that simple. God's healed before, and he can heal again. God's risen the dead to life, and he can do it again. God's, you know, made legs stretch out or grow or healed backs or healed diseases and sicknesses, and he can do it again. He's broke curses. He's broke chains of addiction, and he can do it again. God's touched marriages, families, hearts, souls, minds, and he can do it again. And he will do it again. So hallelujah to that. God wants to change the period into a comma. That's powerful. I'll say it again. God wants to change the period into a comma. Let me say the most dangerous place that you and that a church can get to is when you do more reading of God's word than writing about what God's done and is doing in and through your life and the church. The most dangerous place you can be in your walk with God is is when all you do is recite history about how God used to move in your life and how he used to have, or how you used to have devotion and how you used to have fire for God and how you couldn't wait to get to church. The most dangerous season in your life is when you're more focused on where you've been Instead of being focused on where you are and where God wants you to be and where you're going, I'll say it again. The most dangerous season in your life is when you're more focused on when, where you've been instead of where you are going and how you get there. So that's some food for thought because it's really powerful. You can't focus on the wrong things, in other words. You got to focus on the right things. So again, change your thoughts, change your focus. Stop reading your history and get your pen out. Appreciate the years that God has given you to live, to breathe thus far. But understand that the best chapters are yet to be written. 
and that he's about to give you your best chapters. So understand that the weapon that God gives you is your pen. God will give you the hand of the writer because he'll give you dreams, visions, songs, words, books, things, and it'll get you into your chord structures. So in other words, it'll get into your chord structures in, in the things you would write if you're a songwriter, in lyrics, in sermons, and so much more. And he'll give you the hand of the writer. If God's going to do something, he can't have a church or people that's living in what he used to do. God wants a church that says, give us a fresh instruction from the throne room. God wants a church that starts with a fresh page and that says, we don't have to be like every other church. Isn't that powerful? When the devil comes at you with extreme levels of aggression, because he will, match it like Jesus did when the devil attacked him. Well, he was in the wilderness fasting. That's what he did. Jesus matched with extreme prayer, extreme reading the word of God, extreme fasting, extreme seeking the throne room of God. And so we ought to be doing the same thing when he's extremely attacking us with utter aggression and complete and utter force. This is the things we ought to be doing as well. Live like Jesus lived. Tap into the extreme move of God. The scribes in Jesus's day were so locked into the past of what God had already done that they wouldn't receive what he wanted to do right then with them. The scribes were the ones that should have been writing. When God trusts the church with throne room conversations, we ought to be writing them down because a weapon he gives us, like I said earlier, is the pen so that we don't forget and so that we don't stop flipping to a blank page expecting him to give us more to write down. I'll say it again because this is powerful. When God trusts the church with throne room conversations, we ought to be writing them down because a weapon he gives us is the pen so that we don't forget and so that we don't stop flipping to a blank page expecting him to give us more to write down. This is powerful stuff. You need to write this down. Stop the podcast. Rewind it and write this stuff down. This is liquid gold. Jesus will use his pen to write you out of your sin, your mess, your addictions, your failures, because your book isn't finished and he can turn what you see as a period into a comma and just keep writing. And therefore we ought to keep our pens out and keep writing all the things he's going to do in and through our lives and never ever stop expecting to write because there's still many blank pages. And when you think you've run out, he'll just keep adding more. So just keep expecting and writing because the pen is a huge weapon. If you let Jesus, he'll write another story, another chapter, another page, etc. in and through your life because he is not finished with you yet. So stop allowing the devil, your flesh, this world, your family, coworkers, friends, etc. tell you anything differently because they're lying to you. If you ever want to see a dirty, rotten sinner that's really messed up and you want to see them get in really bad trouble, don't ever bring them to the feet of Jesus. Throw them instead at the feet of a denominational board. Throw them at the feet of a bunch of mean preachers. Throw them at the feet of self-righteous Christians. But if you ever want to see them get set free, then throw them at the feet of Jesus. You don't have to live in the past in shame or in condemnation because he's writing another story. Because like I said, he's not finished with you yet. Like I said earlier, Jesus will write you out of your mess. Understand it's not over. It's just a comma and not a period because there's another chapter coming to your book. He wrote you out of the book of Moses and into the book of Jesus. In other words, out of the old covenant and into the new covenant, which is far greater than the old one. He wrote you out of death and defeat and into victory and eternal life. Your name is written 
in the Lamb's book of life. If you give your life to Jesus, which means repent of your sins, to change your mind, and to trust in Jesus. So don't worry about who gets the credit for the things written in and through your life by Jesus in your book. Don't cut and paste the word of God. Don't remove the things from the Bible that you don't like or that you don't want to do. We still need the blood of the Son of God, which is Jesus Christ. Don't throw out things from the Bible because of what anyone or anything or culture says. It's never too confrontational. Don't be a cutting edge Christian or preacher. Preach the eternal word of God and don't cut hell out or judgment out because quote unquote people, people need to hear it. So don't quote unquote cut it out because people need to hear it. So preach the word, whether it's witnessing to a coworker or a friend in the workplace, whether it's you're a preacher over a pulpit, don't water it down. Don't feel ashamed about it. Because if you're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of you in the presence of, your, of his father. And you ought not to be ashamed of the one true king who can utterly and completely and totally change your life, transform you and save you and pull you up out of the muck and out of the mire. When God speaks to you, write it down. When God speaks to you and you don't see what he said happening yet, you'll have a tendency to pull out your knife and start writing it down and start wilting it down and say to yourself, well, maybe he didn't really say this or that. And you get it trimmed down to just what you can do, what you think you're capable of, what your mind can conceive. But if God said all of it, then it will all come to pass. So don't write it down or wilt it down. Sorry, don't wilt it down. You want to write it down. Don't wilt it down or trim any of what he said out or down. Just keep believing God for every single bit of it. Get your knife off of the promises of God and off of what he's telling you. Take your knife off his word and his promises. The Lord gave you that promise. So get your knife off of it. Maybe the first how many ever years of your life are just a test. And maybe you'll look back another how many ever years down the road and say, wow, learn to praise him until the answer comes and or the promise is fulfilled. And read Psalm 45 verse 1. Understand that your tongue is a pen of a ready writer. What, I, what you praise him for, pray for, preach about, prophesy that it'll come to pass and you must believe it and in his power to do it. This is truly and utterly powerful powerful stuff truly and utterly can change the direction and the course of how you think of what you think of how you live your life for God every single day. It's incredible stuff. So understand the power of the one true King. Understand that he wants you to seek him, to know him, to want you to make him known and to be unashamed of all that he has for you. So write down the good things he's doing for you. So number one, you don't forget them. But number two, so you could tell others about them. Your kids, the next generations. It's what he had the Israelites do. They wrote stuff down. They had scribes so that they wouldn't forget what it is they went through, what it is they endured, so on and so forth. So if he doesn't want you to forget it, or he didn't want them to forget it, what makes you think, he wants you to forget or to not write down the things he's doing in, in and through your life or has done in and through your life. These are things that ought to be written down so you can rejoice and go back and look at all the things he's done for you, especially when a devil comes attacking. You can say, no, you're a liar. He's done this. He's done this. And you can go back and start fulfill, saying and speaking the fulfillment of the promises of God and speaking what he's done in and through your life and how he's worked. Because the devil's going to lie to you and tell you he's done nothing for you. He's done absolutely zero zilch. He's worthless. He's this, he's that. You're depressed. You're this, you're that. And you can go back and say, you know what, devil? He's done this. He's broken the chains of addiction. He's, he's done this. He's removed this. He's helped my children here. He's done this. And you have all this stuff written down. And then chances are you'll start reading all this stuff out and you'll have a renewed faith and a renewed strength 
because you'll remember all the ways that God can work in and through your life. And it's powerful stuff because he could transform your, the, trajectory, the trajectory of your thinking. It's about how you think. And if you forget about the good things he does, it's a lot easier for the devil to convince you that A, you don't need him or that he's done nothing for you and that he's just worthless to you and you could just give him up and go back to the bottle or go back to the drugs or this or that. Or he doesn't, you know, there's a void in your heart and all these other lies he spews because that's what he does. Devil open mouth, devil lie. Devil open mouth, devil lie. That's all he can do. God open mouth, God tells truth because that's all he can do. God cannot and will not ever lie. He can't, it's not in him. And the devil cannot and will not ever tell the truth because he can't, it's not in him. So understand the strategies he uses to get you. And it's powerful when you understand this stuff because it can transform your life. It could take you to that next level. It can take you to that next place and can give you that renewed strength. It's like a bike rider climbing the, mount, the peak or going through the tour of the France. And you get to that stage where it's just a mountainous trajectory. And you think when you get to a certain about, I don't know, a quarter of the way through it or halfway through it, you think, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you tell yourself you can't, you can't. But you get the bike riders to tell them, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to own this mountain. I'm going to climb it. And they have renewed strength. And yeah, you're going to get tired, but you got to push past the pain. You got to push past the toughness, the tough parts, and you got to pursue God and hold tightly onto him and do not let go because God won't let go of you. It's you letting go of him. And he doesn't want you to, but he's not going to force a grip onto you. He wants you to hold on to him, but he won't force you to do so. So understand the power of these things and how you can be helped and encouraged and how you can walk by faith and not by sight and how you can be transformed and renewed and helped and encouraged each and every day by doing the will of the Father, by writing stuff down when he does good things. If he performs a miracle in your life today, write it down. If he answers a prayer, write it down. This is stuff that ought to be written so that, like I said, you don't forget it, and so that the devil has a harder time attacking you. Because when he attacks you, you just go back to what God's done. Go back to what his promises are. Go back to how good he is in his word. Read his words, start quoting scripture. Psalms is a good place to start. Most of the Psalms start talking about negative things first and end off on a high note. Or it goes negative, high note, negative, high note, so on and so forth. Very powerful book of scripture. And if you're not reading it, you're missing out because you ought to want to read it because it'll help you. I think the most powerful books when it comes to the battlefield of the mind, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and then Psalms in that order. Transformational. You want wisdom? Read Proverbs. You want wisdom? Read Ecclesiastes. You want wisdom? Read Psalms. You want help? You want encouragement? Read Psalms. Read all the Bible, but those ones really do speak to you. And they'll transform you because it's an open and honest heart crying out to God in times of distress, in times of difficulty, in times of sorrow, pain, trial, tribulation, so on and so forth. But the victory can and will come when you're in pursuit of the one who saves, when the one who pulls you up out of that muck, out of that mire, and he'll do a work in and through your life when you're doing the things that he wants you to do, when you're being obedient to him in all ways, shapes, and forms. And I'll tell you, you're being real obedient to him when you're reading the word of God, when you're in prayer, when you're quoting back promises to him. You know, a lot of people in scripture, they quoted back, God, your word says this, and you should do that. You should quote back, God, your promises are get this. You said this in your word and hold God to his promises. He'll honor that and he'll hold up his end of the bargain. But again, you've got to hold up your end of the bargain too. Do you ever wonder what it'd be like to be able to listen to each and every episode seamlessly and without the interruptions of ads and sponsorships? Well, we've got some great news for you today. We've listened and are now doing something about it for you. Say hello to ad-free and sponsorship-free listening and many, many more exclusive benefits when you become a Crusader Plus today. To find out more about how you can become a Crusader Plus today, go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or episode description. Once on the website, click on the link No Truth Culture Plus under the No Truth Culture category. Follow No Truth and myself, Mr. Misunderstood, on all major social media platforms by going to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com 
or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. And once you're on the website, click on social media. Become a Crusader Insider for free today by going to our website links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. And once you're on the website, just scroll to the bottom of the page and fill out your full name and email address in the proper fields and hit submit. And you'll officially be a Crusader Insider, which is going to gain you access to insider information, all the latest and greatest new things happening within our podcast franchise, companies, all the updates, promotions, offers, and future merchandise that's going to be coming soon and much much more you won't want to miss it so make sure that you become a crusader insider today to answer the question young people need to what let's get into what young people need to do or what they should do the catalyst for revival is young men and young women committing their lives to following jesus so basically what do young men what do young people need to do commit their lives to following Christ. It's really that simple. So, and how do you do that? Well, first you need to identify your gift. Let me tell you, real passions aren't found, they're developed. So for better advice to give people, it isn't follow your passion. It's find something you're good at or identify your gift. The biggest lie that someone can tell you is to follow your passion because it's meaningless. Your passion may not be something you're good at. So it's futile to follow your passion. What you need to do is f- find something you're good at, identify it, and refine, you know, train in that area of what you're good at so that nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10, you become passionate about what you're good at. It just innately happens. So you know, don't, the, don't follow this worldly philosophy of, oh, go follow your passion. No, that's nonsense. Go find something you're good at that can you know, be, make you a productive member of society and provide you with the income you need to cover your bills and identify your gift. And you'll likely become very passionate about what you're good at. That's innately what humans do. So again, when you find something you're good at, and you can give yourself to developing that gift by training and putting in the blood, sweat and tears that's demanded from doing that, do it. Nobody quits doing what they're good at, because it's fun to be good at it. It's really not rocket science. If you're good at something, you're unlike, it's unlikely, highly unlikely that you're going to quit doing it. Why? Because people enjoy what they're good at. So they're not going to want to quit doing it when you enjoy it. It's innately human nature. The next thing you can do as a young person committing their li- your life to Christ is finding and winning a good soul, a good mate, a good spouse. There is no true success in life without finding and having this, a good spouse. There's no more influential decision in life other than getting saved than making sure you find a good spouse. This, it's really that simple. The last thing you can do is become an operator. Have the mentality to keep pushing past what's perceived as your limits. In any kind of enduring thing or fight or contest, the biggest battle is between your ears. It's going to be the mind. It's your mind. Your mind is talking to you all the time. And you can always push yourself a lot harder than you think you can in your mind. This is never more true than it is today or right now or when you think it isn't. If you're running a race, you're going to hit a wall. Eventually, you're going to hit a point like every runner does. that You're going to be like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. But if you are like the runner who pushes past that, guess what? You, you can because you're a lot tougher and a lot stronger than your mind gives you credit for. So you just got to push past it. Now, again, use wisdom. If you got a torn ACL and you keep pushing past it, well, that's kind of foolish. You should probably go get the help. Go get the surgery. So use wisdom. There's a balance. So again, this, this, isn't, this is mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. This is in all these areas. Press on. Serving Jesus is never said to be easy. It's hard, but press on. Follow him more closely. Seek his will. Seek what he wants in and through your life and for you because it'll help you. It'll bring you courage. It'll bring you victory in Jesus because Jesus is powerful. He's great. He's redeeming. Hallelujah. What does praise and worship mean to you? Let's get into it. There's two things the devil will use to keep you from the blessings of God. 
yesterday and tomorrow. If the devil can remind you of your yesterdays, he can keep you from today. And if he can remind you or throw you into your tomorrows and worrying about tomorrow, trying, getting you to try and control it, you'll miss the blessings God has for you today. You, I highly recommend Ezekiel 9.4, Revelations 11.1, 1, John 9.31. These are scriptures that you should write down. You should go and read them. Because there's two things God said to mark and measure. And that's how much each person worships him. There's a difference between worshiping and being a worshiper. One is a lifestyle and the other is a euphoria. Don't wear worship, become it. Don't wear it, be it. Don't get or stay distant from praise and worship. Praise and worship will get you from one place to the next. Praise and worship have to get to the next place before you can get there. Let me tell you something. David took seven praise breaks a day. Again, that's seven. I said seven praise breaks a day. And if you want proof, then you can go dive in to Psalm 119, verse 164. And it's right there for your viewing eyes. How can you be a king's kid or God's child and not be attracted to praise and worship? What Air is to a human, praise and worship ought to be to you and I as a Christian. It's really just that simple. Just like you won't make it long without oxygen, a Christian, you just won't make it without praise and worship. So take praise, take worship, take it seriously. Take a praise break in the middle of the day at work. Go in the bathroom. Thank you, Jesus, for this call. Thank you, Jesus, for this sale. Thank you, Jesus, that I can work and make money and provide for my family, that I have a roof over my head, shoes on my my feet, clothes on my back, food in my stomach, that I can sing songs, that I can walk and talk and eat and chew gum, that I don't have to have somebody wipe my butt for me, that I don't have to do this, that I don't have to do that. You know, I can do these things on my own because of your strength, because of your ability. You know, there's the old saying goes, there's somebody that always has it far worse than you do and that you could ever think of, dream of, imagine, or fathom. So praise him. Praise him and worship him. doesn't always have to be in song, although I highly recommend that form of it. But you just got to take some praise breaks and worship him for the good that he's doing in and through your life. This is powerful, powerful stuff. When in and going through dark times and when dark times are at your door, open the window and let praise and worship out. Don't let years of life divorce you from the things of God and praise and worship. Don't have praise and worship in your hand. Have it in your heart because it needs to be in your heart more than it ever does in your head, in your hand, or in any other place ever, period. It's just that simple. It's just really, really that simple. So understand that, read it, weep, and it's just, it's really going to transform your life to be quite honest with you. So That's just what it is. Spiritual warfare. All right, let's get into this. What do I mean by spiritual warfare? Well, I could tell you this much. We are in a spiritual war against the devil. And like I just said, it's spiritual. You either fight in the spiritual war or you just won't survive it. The devil sees you as a threat to the kingdom of his darkness. And you just have to understand that some battles you have to fight. Some people don't want to fight the battles. They don't want to or like to fight. So many people don't have the victory in Jesus because they refuse or they just don't fight. And it's just tragic and sad and heart-wrenching because it's good people going down the wrong path because they just don't want to fight. They're too passive. And it's like, you got to fight in the spiritual war because you won't win any other way. There's a war against God's church. The Christian church is under attack. If you're going to fight, you're going to have to do it in a spiritual realm. The devil fights Christians so hard because we have the answer and hope that the world needs desperately and he doesn't want us to be able to give it to them. I'll say it again. He doesn't want us to be able to give it to them. The devil hates God and the only way for him to get back at God is by destroying the people he loves. He wants to break you because doing so will break the heart of God. He wants to break you because doing so will break the heart of God. You are a threat to the devil. Understand that because the church is the only thing left 
that sees things in terms of right and wrong. The devil attacks this, this, the church, because the church is truth. If you're going to be successful in this war, the first thing you must learn is the capabilities and strategies of your enemy. You have to know them. Know what the devil's working with. Know what you are working with, what your capabilities are. It's not always about what you have as it is about using what you have more efficiently or effectively than your enemy. And your enemy in this case being the devil. The devil is a copycat or a chameleon. And so there's a few things I want you to understand. Number one, a strategy the devil uses is his ability to transform himself and make you think that you're dealing with something good like an angel of light, disciple of Christ, so on and so forth. All the while, you're actually dealing with the devil who's trying to destroy your life. This doesn't mean that God won't send people to you with a word, but it does mean that you shouldn't be so quick to listen to it until you can discern and test the spirits like the Bible says to. And if you don't think you can, then seek godly counsel that can help you discern and test the spirits like a godly pastor, your family, friends, co-workers, people of God, obviously, not just some strays on the street or, you know, what I'm talking about. So that's, you know, that's some spiritual counsel, some spiritual advice. This stuff will help you. It helps me. Whenever they're stealing, killing, and destroying, the devil isn't too far off. So understand that because what does the devil do? He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Understand his methods. Understand this simple fact of what he wants to do, steal, kill, destroy. And understand that when you see that going on in life, he probably isn't too far off. The devil will always try to snatch the word from our hearts. Understand that. So it's like the parable in the Bible talking about sowing of the seed. The seed hits the fertile ground. The seed hits the shallow ground. The seed, this is pretty much the simple analogy of what we're talking about here. This is, this is what we're getting at. You want to be the seed that falls on the fertile ground, deep roots, so on and so forth. Hard times come, you still remain faithful. You still remain tested and true, so on and so forth. Because the devil wants to snatch the word of God from your heart. So don't let him. And the devil snatches the word by taking away your hope, confidence, faith. And he takes those things and replaces them with what? Despair, doubt, unbelief, worry, anxiety, depression, so on and so forth. Understand the method he uses. Understand that he uses these things. And when you have these working in and through your life, maybe think, it's time to pray. It's time to seek God. It's time to seek the counsel of godly people and get the help and start with Jesus. Satan always fights through proxy. In other words, he sends someone or something to fight you because he won't fight you himself because he can't be everywhere at the same time. He's not omnipresent. He ain't God. He can only be at one place at one time. So what does he use? He uses other people and other things to fight his battles for him and to get you to fall. It's just that simple. So he's hoping that you won't recognize that it's the devil, that, you know, you'll just be blinded to it. But the reality check, it is, and he's doing it by proxy. So understand that simple fact. Understand how he does it, why he does it the way he does it, so on and so forth. And how, and when you do that, you're going to be able to overcome, have the victory and win. And praise God for it. Hallelujah. It's just that simple. There's so many things in culture and the world that the devil uses as a front man today. It's like music, movies, shows, horoscopes, drugs, idols. The list goes on and on and on. He's using all these things as a proxy to get you off your game, to get you off the godly path that you're on. God's word says that he'll, his word is a lamp unto your feet and a light for your path. That means a lamp means the here and now. So he's a lamp. He's the here and now. And he's a light. He's going to take you into the future. A light is brighter. It shines more distant. Takes you into the future. Lamp, here and now. He's the, your word is a lamp to my feet. The here and now. It's what I need now. And it's a light for my path. It takes me to where you want me to go. To where I need to go. On the right path. The devil wants to take you off of that path. Understand this. Because once you do, you're going to have a better chance at winning. The devil uses vocabulary and a changing of meaning of words and making words sound good as a strategy, so on and so forth, to get you off your game, to destroy you, attack you, 
make you weak, so on and so forth. Write this down, pay attention, take notes. This is powerful stuff. You can't, cannot, can't, cannot fight a spiritual war with physical or fleshly weapons. I'll say it again because too many people try and do this and fail miraculously and with just utter, utter destruction. They just fail miserably. You cannot fight a spiritual war with physical or fleshly weapons. Fight fire with fire. Use the same things, spiritual things, that the devil uses against you to defeat you, to turn it around and defeat him. Don't bring a stick to a gun fight. The devil's bringing a gun, people. He's bringing a gun. So don't bring a stick. Know when to use offensive and defensive weapons against the devil. An offensive weapon given to you in scripture is the power to bind and loose things. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I loose the power and the grip that you have over my mind, over my thoughts, over my actions. And I bind you in Jesus name and I cast you out and I rebuke you. That's basically what that's saying. So when the devil attacks your mind, bind it in Jesus name. It's or attacks you in any way. Just bind it in Jesus name. God gives you power of attorney to use his son's name. So why don't you use it more frequently? Jesus, you you have a powerful name. I'm going to choose to use it every single second of the day that I can, not literally, but as much as I can throughout the day, I'm going to choose to use your name so that I have power, victory, and so that I can defeat the devil. Rebuke evil things, thoughts, the devil, demons, principalities, darkness, evil thoughts, so on and so forth. Plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over my house, over my kids, over my spouse, over me in Jesus' name. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Man, that's so powerful. And it's just so underutilized in this culture today. And it's tragic. Use the name of Jesus. Like I just said, God gives you power of attorney to use his name. Use it and use it a lot and as often as possible. Put on the full armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, shield of faith, belt of truth, shoes of peace, and the one offensive weapon he gives in the armor of God, the sword of the spirit, which is his word. What did Jesus use when he was attacked in the, uh, in the wilderness when fasting for 40 years and 40 nights? He used the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Devil, no. The Bible says this. Devil, no. Scripture says this. Devil, no. The word says this. And what did the devil end up doing? Running away like a dog with his tail tucked between his legs because that's the coward he is. Hallelujah. But understand, the Bible says that he waited for his next opportunity, meaning he's never done. Understand that the war is never over. It's never over till the day you're dead. That's just wake up and that's the reality. Hate to break it to you, but that's that's where it is. So don't ever think you can take your foot off the gas, that you can coast, that you're good now. No, foolishness. Keep pressing on. Keep doing the will of God. Keep seeking his throne because the war is never over until you pass on from this life. The war is never over until you pass on from this life. Understand it. Write it down. It's powerful to understand that. Always be praying so you can defeat the enemy and know when it's him who's attacking you by proxy. And he will attack you by proxy, someone or something to get you to fail. It's just the way it's going to be. Understand his strategies because once you understand them, you will have victory in Jesus and it's powerful stuff. So take the victory back. And the Bible trivia answer for the week. What is the strategy Satan uses to defeat humans in creative ways? The mind. It's he attacks the mind. That's the answer. There it is. Write it down. He will attack your mind. Discipleship. You have two options in life that you could take. Option one or option two. Option one is you can be like the world. You can go to church, call yourself a Christian, and take on the spirit of the world, which is ugly. It's disgusting. I wouldn't want it. And or you can pick option two, which is to be a disciple and take part in discipleship and learning about God and pleasing him. Discipleship is choosing to walk away from the world and the spirit of the world and getting close to God. It means you have to let go of something to gain something far greater. Let go of the world, let go of evil things to gain God and a closer knit relationship with him so that you make heaven your home. Discipleship is a road to purpose and destiny that is far greater 
than anything the world can and will ever offer you. Understand it. It's really as simple as can be. And understand discipleship is a huge gift. Discipleship, it's not a program. It's not an impartation. Christianity has already been paid for. But the problem with a lot of people is that they're not getting all the features because they don't want to pay a price. 20 times in scripture, Jesus says to follow him. So there's two thoughts here. Number one, discipleship requires a decision of the follower. Well, obviously, you got to make a decision to follow somebody. People know more than we think they know. And the reason they're distant from godly influences and people is because they don't want to be discipled. They want to be distant and they choose that and then being distant. And it's it's just by choice. So understand that. Number two, discipleship requires a life worth following. So if you're not living a life worthy of somebody following you, chances are you're probably not going to have many disciples behind you. You're not, you're not a good leader. You're not going to have good followers or any, and you shouldn't. It's just that simple. People can't be discipled if you're not willing to set an example for them to follow. Like I just said, it's just that simple. I wouldn't want to be discipled by you if you're living an ungodly life, getting high all the time, slinging drugs, breaking God's commandments. Who wants to follow that as a man of God? I don't. People need to be inspired. If you're insecure, you won't create secure followers, secure men. It's just not going to happen. Mighty men come from following someone who's confident, confident about the will of God in his life or her life. You have to be a man that can inspire people to follow you. You have to want to be someone that someone wants to follow. If you're not, you're not going to have followers or very good ones. You might have a cult, but that's the best you're going to have. And I would highly recommend not to having that. Discipleship is the pathway of blessing. You want blessing in your life? Be a disciple. Be a disciple of God. What is a disciple? It's one that learns. Discipleship means you learn. That's what a disciple is. Learn from God. Learn from godly people. So on and so forth. You'll be far better off living a dedicated life than living a flaky one. And understand that anxiety is a fear of judgment. Three, there's three realities about following. Number one, follow him to the cross. It's not always going to be easy to follow. You'll follow into sacrifice and other places that you don't want to go. But make up your mind to follow him. Take up your cross and follow him, Jesus said. It's just that simple. He didn't say it would be easy. His taking his cross wasn't easy, but he did it. He said, nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. So understand if he did it, you can do it too. Number two, follow him by following a man. And what do I mean by that? Well, go read 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. So I'll ask you this. Who are you following? Following him by following a man brings clarity and direction. Paul said that to follow to Timothy and to others, follow me as I follow Christ. He didn't say just follow Christ. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. And you ought to live a life to where you could say those words like Paul said them. He lived a pretty good life. I'll tell you that. Number three, follow him to the nations. Oh, and number two was follow him by following a man. So follow him to the nations. If you're truly following Jesus, then it has to have a world evangelism expression. You have to be winning people for Jesus in this nation and in uh, across the world. That's what you ought to want. That's what Jesus called us to be doing. Take the gospel to all ends of the earth. Make up your mind to follow him. You have, again, mind battles, thoughts, what you're thinking about. This ties into the whole theme of the program today. It's just make up your mind to follow him. It's not going to be easy all the time, but you got to do it anyway. We're going to follow someone somewhere. And one day, you and I are going to come to the end of our lives, where you're going to be on that day is going to have everything to do with who you choose to follow. So again, I reiterate, follow Jesus and others who fear and seek God, because you'll have great victory when you're doing these things. And it's just powerful. You'll have breakthrough. You'll have revival. You'll have transformation. You'll have victory and so on and so forth. Ooh, your dependence must be on what? Let's dive in. America has its declaration of independence. Yes, it does. Very much so. And thank God it does. But you and I as Christians, we have to have the declaration upon the Holy Spirit. So our declaration of dependence, not independence, but dependence has to be on the Holy Spirit. Understand that you, I'm telling you right now, 
If you haven't read Romans chapter 8, the whole chapter, I highly recommend reading it because it is the crown jewel, one of the crown jewels of the Bible. It's a great victory chapter. Understand that. Understand there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We are not condemned and have acceptance with God, obviously. Who, condem- who condemns us then, you might ask? I know I've asked that. Well, who's condemning us? Typically, it's ourselves and the master of condemnation, the devil. I'm not under God's judgment. You have to say this to yourself. I'm not under God's judgment, even while I struggle with sin. You have to say this. I'm not a slave to my flesh, even though I may have failed in my attempts to change. I simply haven't discovered yet how to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit and not allow the inf- that influence to carry me to the life that God has designed for me to live. It's just that simple. I'm not alone in this struggle. I don't have to conquer my flesh with my own willpower. Say this to yourself, because it's not by my might or by my power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. It's by his spirit. The flesh is human nature. It's the nature we received from Adam when we were born that has a disposition towards sin. It's not just Adam's sin that we're plaguing, that's being plaguing us. It's our own too. The flesh is the inclination to seek self-satisfaction in everything. It rejects the divine will of God, choosing instead anything and everything that'll bring self-gratification. Powerful stuff. You want self-gratification? Give into your flesh. You want to serve a life with meaning and purpose and honoring God? Don't give into the flesh. It's just really that simple. Understand there's a war within us between our flesh that's determined to do things to do things that we want and on our terms and to seek pleasure, self-gratification, sin, so on. And the Holy Spirit, it wants to rule and reign in our hearts and lives. And I hate to break it to you, but the devil doesn't determine who wins. God doesn't even determine who wins. You do. You determine who wins this war. If you're going to live in victory, you must understand what it is that defeats you. The flesh, it's weak and it makes us weak when it controls our lives. It is so easily enslaved and it enslaves us to sin and makes us, again, slaves to sin. When we need to be praying, the flesh wants to sleep. So look at the scriptures with um, the, the disciples, the three disciples that Jesus took while he was praying, saying, take this cup from me, you know, but they ended up saying, not my will, but your will be done. And he goes back and the t- disciples are sleeping. Why? Flesh wants to sleep. It don't want to pray. That's just the reality of it. The flesh is hostile and will fight against people, against God and against you. You don't believe me? James 4.2 is a great place to go read. The carnal mind is an enemy of God. And when you have this mind, you will oppose God. It's pretty plain and simple right there. The flesh wants to bring us to a position where we forfeit all that God has for us. So don't let him. It influences our thinking and we begin to want and crave sin. So don't crave it. We have to settle the flesh adds nothing. And I mean nothing positive to our lives. If your flesh wins, then you die. It's that simple. So, it, you know, you just have to understand that. Again, Christians must have a declaration of dependence on God and his Holy Spirit. So that's where you need to have it. You need to have a declaration of dependence. Understand the flesh is weak, but thankfully the spirit is strong. The righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the Holy Spirit working in you. The first order of business for the new believer is to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Having the Holy Spirit gives you a passion for life. It'll Being filled with it is just awesome. And it isn't a one-time thing. We need to be getting filled and refilled by the Spirit frequently. So I'll ask you this. How's your appetite for the Holy Spirit? You need to be hungering for it because you just do. And never snacking on the flesh. Don't be snacking on the flesh. It ain't going to satisfy you or give you anything you need. So walk in the spirit, which is the daily ordering of your life in the things of God. 
We must pray in the spirit. You want victory? Pray in the spirit. Seek the will of God and he will help you and transform your life today and every day moving forward. Oh, it's the send off, the feel good story of the week. We're wrapping up the program here with the feel good story of the week. We're going to be talking about a doggy today. Humans, who knows? Maybe it's a car. Florida deputies rescue missing four-year-old boy in woods and reunite him with his father. Deputies in Florida reunited a four-year-old boy, his father, on Friday after they went missing for hours in a wooded area near his home, authorities said. Franklin Frankly Orwig III had disappeared from his home on Burgess Avenue in Uncorporated Cocoa just before 9 a.m. on Friday, the Brevard County Sheriff's Office said. Frankie's father, Frank, told Fox 35 Orlando that he fell asleep while his son was playing on an iPad, but that when he woke up, Frankie was nowhere to be found. Yikes. I wasn't even asleep 35 minutes or so. Then I get up, I look for him, and he wasn't in the house, and I'm freaking out, he said. The sheriff's office activated its child abduction response team and launched a helicopter to search from the air. The helicopter pilot and tactical flight officer spotted the child in a heavily wooded wooded area and directed the search and rescue crews on the ground to his location, Sheriff Wayne Ivey said. Frankie was found unharmed about 60 yards from his home with his loyal dog, Rufus, who had stayed by the boy's side, the station reported. The sheriff's office shared video of deputies carrying Frankie out from the woods and reuniting him with his father. I am up to him and I wouldn't even let him go. I was just crying so badly, Frankie's father said oh i ran up to him the sheriff thanked the community and all the involved agencies who helped in the search while today's case thankfully ended with the little fella being found safe and sound it was a test and testament to how brevard county law enforcement and its citizens partner together to keep everyone safe ivy said wow it's good that they could bring the boy home hallelujah god is good when you think he's not always remember god is good He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He's steadfast. He's patient. He's kind. He's loving. He's enduring. And he'll rescue people. He'll perform miracles. Like I said earlier in the program, write this stuff down. When he does it, write it down. Keep a mental note of it. Keep a written note of it. Get the pen out. He's not. He's going to turn that comma or that period into a comma and write another chapter, write another story and help you become more successful and a powerful man or woman of God. Seek him first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Jesus, I come before you and I just pray for all the people that you have on my heart, the listener on the other end of these messages, these words being spoken into this microphone. I just pray for revival. I pray for an open heart and mind and soul to hear every word and to allow it to resonate and to write things down that you do in and through their life. Because you are a powerful and merciful God and you want to transform minds and hearts and stir up a generation to fight for what's right, to fight for truth and to have the victory in and through their lives because of you, your son, your Holy Spirit, a work upon and in and through them. And you can do it. And I want them to believe that you can do it and that you have the power to save, the power to transform minds and hearts and to bring about revival in this land again and in them. And it starts with me. It starts with the words that I speak and the heart that I have. And I want you to give me a heart for these people and for the other person on the end of this microphone wearing headsets listening to me, that they'd hear you, that you'd speak to their heart directly and show them light that what they if they think that they have light and it's truly darkness that you'd reveal that to them and that you'd help them to humble themselves and come before you and get right get their heart right get their mind right and take their mind back so that they can be one with you and have peace that surpasses all understanding because of prayer supplication and thanksgiving and joy that nobody would be able to steal from them and that they wouldn't give away freely and i pray these things in your precious son's name hallelujah amen And with that, I bid you adieu. 
Thank you for listening to this episode. No Truth Culture is created, recorded, edited, and produced by our production company, Pearly Gates USA, which is owned and operated by our parent company, The Big Time USA. Make sure that you follow the podcast and turn the notifications on by hitting the icon so that you get alerted about every new episode as soon as it's released. Do you hate listening to ads and sponsorships? Well, say hello to ad-free and sponsorship-free listening and much, much more exclusive benefits when you become a Crusader Plus today. To find out more about how you can become a Crusader Plus today, go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or episode description. Once on the website, click on the link No Truth Culture Plus under the No Truth Culture category. To make a one-time financial gift, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or episode description. And once you're on the website, click on support. With your financial support, you make all of this possible. So thank you. Well, the Band-Aid has been ripped off. So it's time to ask yourself one final question. Has the truth set you free so that you could be free indeed? For myself, Mr. Misunderstood, and the rest of our team here at Pearly Gates USA and the Big Time USA, thank you so much for your loyal listening. And we look forward to you listening again next episode.